glad that you have joined us for worship this morning for early worship here at Central Baptist Church. So glad that uh, your, your presence is here with us this morning as we worship together. Uh, you may have noticed on the way in that there was some extra stuff um, by the, uh, what are they called, orders of worship. Um, and uh, I've already forgotten several things this morning. So you may have noticed some of these with some sticks and stuff. I don't know if you got them or not, but if you didn't, I have a few more here, and then there's more in the back too. Um, we're going to use these during our prayer time later, if you so choose. We're Baptists, so you can always abstain, you know. Um, and uh, and so and let these be. You kind of scratch these off, and you can make you know um, pretty pictures on there. And we're going to let this be. Uh, part of our an opportunity of our response of our prayer to God later on in the service if you would choose to so I have some more if anybody wants one I will bring them to you now yeah with over here so um, there's some more in the back you're always welcome to get up and grab another um, if you find that your artwork didn't turn out exactly like you wanted feel free to go uh, to go get another one as well um, if you choose to use that during our time of worship a little bit later on um, this week uh, Mark is on sabbatical now um, uh, but I did see him once he showed up um, and uh, and said hey and I was like who are you what are you doing here um, and uh, but uh, but we're uh, we're uh, hope, praying for him as he's uh, uh, away, uh, and uh, as we're now together this morning. So you're stuck with me, and I'm going to be preaching a little bit later. Um, earlier this week, we had story group. Um, folks said, "Hey, let's get together and have story group again on Wednesday night." We hadn't done that for a while, and so we uh, we were sharing some stories. I had forgotten what I was going to do for the, uh, for the theme for that week. Uh, and, uh, and so we just started telling stories, and I started off with some story that I recently realized that my entire family thought that my grandmother's house was haunted, uh, and especially my aunt's room, uh, which is the room where I slept when I was there. And I expressed my anger and frustration over my family putting me in that room. Um, and then somehow we moved from all those stories into talking about dreams. And I was amazed at, uh, at how similar so many of our dreams were. All different, all unique, and yet all similar. And there were a few um, older children who were there as well. And it, as they were sharing dreams that they had had recently, I thought, oh, I had dreams like that when I was a kid too. I remember those dreams. I remember you know, dreams of flying, dreams with brilliant colors, some dreams where I needed to run, but I couldn't run. You know, some dreams where I needed to stop, but I couldn't stop. You know, and um, all kinds of dreams from, you know, a little bit scary to beautiful and inviting dreams as well. So I'm reminded again that as we talk this morning and as we look uh, even into some scripture from Revelation of the dreams that God has for us and how we all have some of these dreams that we can share together, dreams of hope, dreams of love, dreams.
streams of peace and goodness uh, for the world around us. So let's worship together. celebrating the presence of Christ in us, among us, and beyond us. Your love is ringing all around us. In dizzy streets and country lanes. In office buildings and freshly plowed fields, in schools and in prisons, in mansions and in dirt lord huts. Your love is ringing all around us. And now, if you will, let's pass the peace of Christ with one another this morning. you before you sit down again and we're going to sing together uh, we will walk uh, this is a song that actually our children are going to lead us in in the 11 o'clock worship uh, this morning and uh, so i invite you as we learn this together there's a little repeat that if you want to do that at the beginning you can but we'll uh, we'll learn this and sing this together as we celebrate uh, walking in the light of easter time
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I made ready as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is here with humankind. He, is, he will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain anymore, for the former, former things had passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, All is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will be freely I will freely give water from the life giving spring.
thank you, Karen and Gino, for sharing this morning. I needed that. A chance to, again, come together and to take a deep breath and to be in the presence of God and to be with one another this morning. We heard earlier from John's vision of a new heaven and a new earth um, that's traditionally attributed to the writer of the Gospel of John, and now we turn to this scripture from our lectionary text today from John 13, 31 through 35. When Judas was gone, Jesus said, now the human one has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify the human one in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm with you for a little while longer. You will look for me, but just as I told the Jewish leaders, I will also tell you now where I'm going. You can't come. I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you so that you must also love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples, when you love each other. A few weeks ago, I was in Washington, D.C. for the Alliance of Baptists annual gathering, and it just so happens that my brother lives nearby. So um, I stopped by for a visit, and since I can't seem to count, I figured up the times a little bit wrong and uh, ended up there earlier than I had expected, and my brother wasn't home from work yet, uh, but my sister-in-law, Lucy, was there, and so we had a few moments to catch up and to talk um, about what was going on. Now, the best way that I can describe Lucy to you is to tell you a little bit of a story about my trip to D.C. before. We went last summer um, and, uh, to D.C. to visit for a little while, and on our way back from a Nationals game, if, uh, just for other, if there's anybody else like me, that's a baseball team. Um, the train was packed, and we were on our way back. At one stop, an older couple gets on the car, and without any room to sit or hold on, uh, the man stands up and looks a bit unsteady. Another guy on the train starts making loud comments to nobody in particular about how the train was already full, and the last people to get on board should have waited for another train. And it was a bit uncomfortable. Lucky for her, Lucy was right in between the bully and the older gentleman on the train. And as the train got going, we're all bumping along, jostling in the tension, and the man looks a little bit more unsteady. So Lucy smiles, and she reaches out her hand for him to hold on to. He smiled back, and I watched as he took her hand. And they held hands on that train until the next stop when he got off. That's Lucy, ignoring the haters, offering help without it feeling like a handout or a hand down, where everybody somehow manages to have dignity. That's why I was surprised whenever Lucy and I were talking in their kitchen and she said, I got in trouble at work today. What happened? I asked her. That day, a co-worker had come to her in tears. She told Lucy that the job was becoming unbearable. A colleague was treating her unfairly, 
And she said she felt like it was a hostile work environment. And she didn't know what else to do. So Lucy, of course, consoled her and encouraged her to talk to their boss. I don't think anything's being done intentionally, she told me, but if she perceives hostility, then this matters and we need to take care of it. Unfortunately, Lucy couldn't convince her distraught friend to talk to their boss, so she told her boss in confidence, making sure that she noted that she hadn't seen anything and that this was not necessarily intentional, but if nothing else, these perceptions needed to be addressed I don't want to work in a place where people have to feel like that, she told me. And that sounded reasonable to me. Unfortunately, the boss let slip that Lucy had brought the information. The accused coworker did not take this well, and Lucy found herself in a hostile work environment. Suffice it to say that there were a variety of words of all kinds, yet all unified in their unpleasantness and volume, all directed at Lucy. What should I have done, she asked me. I didn't have a good answer. And I still don't. Sometimes we do the right thing. We stand up, we speak out for the right cause, and things just don't go well. Things were tense with Jesus and the disciples, too. They were all crammed in an upstairs room, and it was hot, and Jesus was on edge. Some things were the same. Peter was being holier than thou as usual. First, he was like, Lord, you can't wash my feet. I'm not worthy, like he was so spiritual or something. And the next minute, he was about to strip down to his skivvies and wash it all. James and John were whispering and giving each other knowing looks. Matthew was explaining fixed rate versus variable rate lending to Andrew, who had not actually asked a question. Simon was sharpening his knife all the while staring at Judas, who was being his usual creepy self in the corner. But Jesus, he was, he was intense. Sure, he got worked up from time to time, but th this was different. The creases around his eyes were more severe. His voice was taut, twisting in the tension, fraying at the ends. He wasn't frantic or worried, he was like a, like a woodworker finishing his masterpiece, studying the lines, touching up every detail. Or like a fisherman pulling in the nets while a squall soaked up all the daylight. He forced a smile, but the storm clouds still danced across his eyes. One of you is going to betray me. The words seeped in, feathering like a wine stain, while the room whispered its questions, is it me? Deep inside a heart there are places, shadowed nooks, rooms cobwebbed and locked, never touched by the day of light, and in there, there could be anything. Though washed and cleansed from head to toe, who really knows if those holy waters trickle down to those places where hearts are vast and echoing and it's easy to get lost and it's hard to know where you really are. Later that week while I was in DC, I exited a little bit early from a business meeting at the, uh, the gathering and I met up with my brother at the National Portrait Gallery. I'd heard so many good things, and it was the place that we missed the last time on our trip, so we decided to go. 
And uh, somehow, after looking at the presidents and all of the other uh, you know, amazing artwork there, we ended up uh, on the second floor where there was an exhibit for the Vietnam War. The images were haunting. Facts and figures too large to conceive swirled around with the shadows of war. And at the end of the exhibit, we found ourselves in a little space that looked kind of like a library. And there were little cards on the tables that said, this art exhibition makes me feel dot, dot, dot. And then there were pegs on the wall where you could write down your answer and then hang them on the wall and participate in the middle of this art exhibition. And I took a picture of one of them. And it said this. I served with the 82nd Airborne at a fire station in the Republic of Vietnam in 69 and 70. I was against the war, but it felt it was my duty to serve my country. I came back and distanced myself from the war, having been spat at, wearing my uniform in Times Square as I was exiting the service and returning home. We should have learned more from this disastrous experience. Yes. Yes, we should have. It seems like we are slow to learn. Like the disciples, we hide our fears knowing deep down that it could be us. And we cover it up with blame. It was him, it was her, it was them. They are the problem. They are the evil. They are the reason things are so unjust. They are the reason that our culture is going down the tubes. And Jesus, what about Jesus? Jesus just stares into the mess, into that hodgepodge of truth and lies and faith and doubt and says one thing. And it sounds almost silly to say it now. When we consider the wars, the lives lost, the inequalities, the injustices that people who find themselves on the wrong side of privilege must endure, and yet he still says it. Love. Love each other. That's how they'll know you. It's your calling card. It's your commission. Love. But is love enough? Can love really do that? In the face of such pain and injustice, in the face of existential threats, can love reverse global warming? Can love end food insecurity? Can love bring equal pay for women in the workplace? Can love stop a civil war on the other side of the world? Can love extinguish the hateful fires of white supremacists? Can love ensure women's rights over their own bodies? Can love make it so that people of color don't have to fear for their lives when they're pulled over? Can love let us look across the aisle of political affiliation and see more than an ideology? Can love make a way for our Jewish and Muslim sisters, brothers, and siblings to worship in peace and safety without fear of the next active shooter? Can love pay for medical care? Can love buy groceries? Can love create good paying jobs? Can love stop bullets? Can love fund an education? Maybe. We've given hate plenty of time to try. The wind tugged at John's robes as he stood on a rocky outcrop above the sea. The waves stumbled over the rocks again and again. 
In places they were worn smooth from the relentless work of the sea. He thought of that stuffy upstairs room from so long ago, the whispers and the threats, and he felt again in his heart the fear seep in, dark and red. Is it me? Am I the one? Across the sea he could see the boats heaving, their bellies full of whatever might satisfy the hunger of the empire. The empire, that great power hewn in marble and forged in steel, looming overhead, listening in the shadows, labeling, sorting, appraising everything and everyone. But these thoughts were interrupted by a voice he knew with words from long ago. Love. Love each other. This is how they'll know you're with me. And in his mind, the gray clouds gleamed white, and as they parted, he saw something like a mountain in the sky, an island like the one he was standing on, coming down out of the heavens. It shimmered in the sunlight, long grasses waving like manes of green, trees laden with ripened fruit, homes nestled in the verdant landscape, children splashing in crystal creeks, people laughing with their neighbors, the sounds merging with the morning bird song. And in the middle of all of it, a stream of clear and cool water, tinkling like electricity. Love of loves, beginning and ends, giver of life flowing out, bringing hope and peace and more than enough. And John knew it was more than just a dream. It was a calling, an invitation, a commission to write that story into existence, to build that new city, to paint that picture into reality. After our trip to the Portrait Museum, Lucy met us downtown for dinner. And as we were eating Thai food, and I was trying to pretend that the number seven wasn't too hot for me, I asked how things were going at work. I'm glad I did it, she said. The coworker who had felt ostracized had thanked Lucy for speaking up. She felt a great relief, and work was a much better place for her. And it seemed like other people felt the same way too. Unfortunately, things weren't better for Lucy. Even after she attempted to explain the situation and to mend fences, the accused coworker wasn't really ready to reconcile. Really not ready. I think it was the right thing to do, she told me. And then she said again, I don't want to work in a place where people have to feel that way. And she doesn't. Because somewhere there's a story written in our hearts. There's an image hovering in our mind's eye, a schematic sketched on the napkin of our soul, and God is handing us pens and paintbrushes and toolboxes and spreadsheets, commissioning us to bring that hope to reality. And it may not happen quick, the haters are going to hate. The bullies on the train will still run their mouths, and the empire will still take its cut and print its labels and price check us and organize us and monetize us. But we don't have to listen. We can ignore the rhetoric of hate. We can accept the discomfort. And we can still reach out a hand to our neighbor. We can still speak up for those who feel like they're all alone. We can live in hopeful discomfort the in-between, 
that beautiful city is on its way. May we have eyes to see. This be our the beginning of our prayer and response this morning as we sing together Spirit Open My Heart, number 
time of response together, you'll have the opportunity in a few moments to come and to light a candle on one of the tables to either side. Or maybe you just want to sit and pray. Maybe you need to take a deep breath and just focus on your breathing this morning. Or maybe you want to take one of those cards that we handed out. You want to draw a picture on it. You want to scratch off some of the darkness and uncover some of the light that's there to reveal a picture of God's dream, your dream. You can keep that and take it with you. You can come set it on the table to share with other people to look at. You can stick it in your Bible or in your pocket and be reminded of those dreams that God has invited us to, to dream into reality. But before we take that time together, let's read together our call to prayer. As you care for us, so you invite us to care. As you are generous with us, so you invite us to live generously. As you are always reaching out and gathering in, so you invite us to reach out. To welcome sisters, brothers, siblings. To believe that small acts, minuscule acts, offered in compassion, can heal our world. Lord, hear our prayers.
hearts. To open our hands. To open our very souls to you. share in your dreams of love and peace and justice and equality. That you would help us to be part of this new heaven and earth that you are creating. Where people are loved and accepted and welcomed as they are. that you would unravel the darknesses within us. That you would heal those lonely places that we might offer love and compassion and grace. In the midst of hatred and in the midst of judgment, accept the help of another. Be reminded that we are in this together. That we are not alone. We thank you, God, for your grace and your goodness. so much for being here for worship this morning. We appreciate your participation and you joining with us. Um, you'll, uh, you'll notice on your way out that um, I believe on the, on the table on the left as you go out that there are deacon nominations there. You'll see deacon nominations form. If you would like to nominate someone to be a deacon, you can write this down, uh, write down their name and uh, you can put it in an offering plate on there or wait and bring it to the church office uh, later if you'd like to do that as well because we'll have uh, uh, deacon nominations and be adding in uh, new deacons a little later on this summer so we invite you to do that to take part in that uh, part of our life of the church together uh, at 11 o'clock worship this uh, this afternoon we will have dr sharice gillette uh, president of lexington theological seminary um, uh, here preaching with us and so we're excited uh, to have her with us here uh, at 11 o'clock to share our, our message um, then. And then next week, Reverend Dr. Kara Kilpatrick not only does the hammer dulcimer, but also will be preaching next week for us as well here and in 11 o'clock. You're preaching here too, right? So, okay, good, yeah. <laughs> I'm just making sure. Actually, no, I just asked you in front of everyone to, to make sure that you had to. No, anyway. Uh, so, no, thank you for that. We're looking forward to that next week too. And thank you all for being here. As we go this morning, let's stand together, and we're going to sing... We are one in the spirit. You'll find that number 300 in your hymnals. We'll sing uh, the first and the second verse of that this morning as we go this morning. 